Great to see you today. You can grab a seat. We welcome you again to Edge Church. And uh, wow, what a what a weird week has it been? A, has it been a, a weird week? It really has been a weird week. Yeah, uh, things have just moved so quickly. Who would have ever thought that this virus from Wuhan, China, would spread throughout the globe, and that it would be uh, impacting our own country on the other side of the world? I mean, it's just such an amazing thought, such a such a crazy thought. And I don't remember seeing our country in this much panic or fear since 9-11. That's the last time, at least, that I can remember seeing people so upset. Today, I want to bring a message about overcoming fear. And it really set in with me a few days ago when I went to Target and I went to buy a few things and all of the toilet paper was completely wiped out. I mean, uh, (laughs) you know, it was pretty amazing because the coronavirus doesn't even cause diarrhea, you know, and, and people were buying massive amounts of toilet paper. People were buying massive amounts of canned vegetables, you know. Uh, people were storing massive crates of bottled water in their, in their basement, you know, and I'm not sure that, I don't think we have a water shortage, but it's really a panic can do. And when I say that, I don't minimize the significance of this crisis and this issue. But I, but I am saying that we can't live a life that is marked and controlled by fear. Um, Jesus was, uh, was very, very direct uh, about dealing with the, with the problem of fear. In fact, out of about 125 different commands that Jesus gave, the number one command that he instructed his disciples about related to fear. He, he made comments like, don't be afraid, or take heart, or take courage, or, or other different various forms of that. And Jesus spoke to, to people 2,000 years ago, but isn't it amazing how people have not really changed that much? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, all of this time has elapsed, but the human condition is really much the same. People today struggle with fear as much as people did back in the day with fear. So what does God have to say to us about this very powerful, powerful topic of fear? I want us to look in our Bibles today at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And... In this passage, the Apostle Paul is writing to his son in the faith. His name is Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor, and Timothy struggles with self-confidence. And this is what the Apostle said to him in 2 Timothy 1, 6-8. This is why I remind you to fan in the flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Now throughout the letter of 2 Timothy, Paul, writing to his son in the faith, is challenging him to amp up his leadership. And Timothy was a young leader. And you know, sometimes when you're a younger leader, it's, it's harder to lead people that are older than you. 
And, and Timothy had a problem with that. But Timothy was just a more mild, more meek personality. And so the Apostle Paul's trying to amp him up a little bit. You know, he says in chapter 2, verse 3, you got to endure hardship. In chapter 3, verse 12, he says, you will go through persecution. And in chapter 4, verse 5, he says, you have to keep your head in all things. And so Paul, writing to his son in the faith, is talking about overcoming fear. Uh, this is the last letter of the Apostle Paul. He's on death row, and people have abandoned him. But Timothy has stayed faithful to Paul, and Paul has stayed faithful to Timothy. And in writing this letter, he challenges him to be strong and to be courageous. Uh, all Christians struggle with being timid. Uh, even if you're the most extroverted person, we can find times where we struggle with being courageous. And how can we find this strength? Well, fear may fill our world, but it doesn't have to fill our hearts. And I want us to look at two things today very briefly, that help us to understand how we can overcome fear, how we can win the battle of fear in our life. And the first is simply this, stop living in fear. Stop living in fear. Stop living in fear. Uh, he says, uh, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, and timidity, but one of power, love, and self-discipline, verse 7 says. Let me ask you this question. What would you be doing today if you simply were not afraid? What hard conversations would you have with somebody if you weren't afraid? What, what businesses or what jobs would you take if, if you weren't afraid? What would you be telling your family if you weren't afraid? What, what would you be saying to your friends if you just weren't afraid? Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So in other words, fear is not from God. Right, fear, every time that you have that little shaking of your legs and your heart begins to beat extra, that's not from God. That's from the devil. God has not given the spirit of fear. Fear is not from God. Faith is what is from God. And faith and fear are foes. They battle against each other. When I have more faith, I have less fear. When I have more fear, what happens? It diminishes faith, doesn't it? And we teeter, kind of like that old school seesaw. We don't have seesaws today anymore. Kids get hurt. <laughs> Back in the day, I remember the big kids getting on one end and then getting off and shooting me through the air as a little kid. But faith and fear, they, there's a battle. And there's a battle for your mind. And there's a battle for your heart. And you know what? We're going to get through this crisis in our country. We're going to get through this issue. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, a spirit of fear is different from being a little bit nervous. A spirit of fear is when you're controlled by it. You go to bed at night thinking about it. You wake up in the morning and you're obsessed with it. You can't sleep at night because of it. There's a spirit of fear. 
And when we have a spirit of fear, we don't make good decisions. We th can't think clearly. We're, we're looking at the world through uh, a false lens. Everything is tainted. Everything looks darker than it really, really is because the spirit of fear has crept in. And so many people today live under the pressure of the spirit of fear, but God wants us to live under the fear of the Lord, not, not, not the spirit of fear, not the spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And the enemy wants us to be afraid so that we won't live a life of faith. Now, I looked up the word uh, fear, and I looked up the word chicken in the Webster's Dictionary, and here's what it said. Cowardly, chicken-hearted, chicken-livered, craven, gutless. These are synonyms if you hadn't figured that out. Lily-livered, milk-livered, spineless, and yellow-bellied. Amen. Does anybody want to be called chicken-livered or yellow-bellied? God says, listen, man, don't, don't, don't live with a spirit of fear. Don't live with a spirit of fear. You can think today of some choices that you've made or some things that you've done as a result of fear. When I was in high school, I played on the basketball team. Our team was playing for the conference championship. <clears throat> um, we were supposed to win the game, and it's um, 30 seconds left in the game. Our team is down by one point. I get fouled. And I have had the greatest game of my career. I mean, it was one of those nights where everything is falling. As a basketball player, you dream about nights like that. I've got more points than I even know what to do with. It's crazy, okay? And I'm at the free throw line, and the coach says, Ryan, I just want one. We're down by one. I got two shots. To make matters even more complicated, the rival school that we were playing was a school that I used to attend. So I know all the kids on the other team. And people are calling me names in the stands. It is nasty, okay? The other coach calls timeout to try to ice the shooter. You know, like they do in the NFL with the kickers at the end of the game? Okay, same thing. And I, I, we come out of the, the, the timeout. Coach is like, Ryan, I just need one. Okay, we're going to tie the game. Okay, 30 seconds left, down by one. Shoot the first shot, clank, right off the front of the rim. Brick. No arc on the shot. My arms felt like cement. It was just so difficult just to even get the ball up. And then the second shot comes. I don't hit the backboard. I don't hit the rim. I barely hit the net, and the ball goes out of bounds. Our team loses the game. What happened? Fear. Now, had I been able to focus on all the points I had scored before, I probably would have done a lot better. And I was a really good free throw shooter. I could still, can I brag for a moment? I can still step into the gym and hit a lot of free throws. But there was something about that, that one day where the spirit of fear just came and overtook me. You know, I think that's a picture of our own lives. Sometimes we're doing things that normally would not be that big a deal, but fear sets in, and what is routine and normal becomes complicated and overwhelming. The spirit of fear.
And the spirit of fear is contagious. Have you ever been around somebody who had the spirit of fear on them? And then what happens? It's a contagious disease. It'll hop on you. You think everything's going great. You're having a wonderful day. And then all of a sudden, somebody like questions, well, hey, when you said this, did you mean that? Well, what about this over here? Well, what if this happened? And then all of a sudden you start thinking, oh my goodness, did I do the right thing? Did I miss something? Did I say this wrong? Was my motivation messed up? What was going on? The spirit of fear begins to set in. Sometimes the people around us can, can spread that germ of the spirit of fear and it consumes us. A friend of ours posted on Instagram this week that the number one trending movie on Netflix was the old Morgan Freeman movie from 1995 called Outbreak. <laughs> and she said she watched it, I guess to be like everybody else, and it was a big mistake. Isn't it crazy? Out of all the great movies that you could, that you could watch, people are watching movies like Outbreak. Now, if you didn't see Outbreak, it's a movie about a global pandemic, an Ebola-type virus that spreads throughout the world. How's that for some encouragement? <laughs> see, when you get fearful, you do things a lot of times that feed more fear, not things that build faith. When we start to go down the path of fear, we need to say, time out. I got to... I refuse to live in fear. I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to fill my mind and my heart with the things of God. i got to refocus. And we have fears about a lot of things. You may or may not have a lot of fear about the coronavirus, but I know that you have fears about something. You have fears about the economy. Some of you may be worried more about your finances than you are about the virus. You know, the stock market's down and... You know, businesses are, are slowing down a little bit and other things are going on. Listen, we can trust God in a moment of crisis. God has not become anything less just because there is a disease. It's not like God said, you know what, I can't act. I can't do anything. You know, the coronavirus is taking over and so I got to just sit on the side. Man, God's finest moment is in the middle of the greatest crisis. God is still with us. That's why we don't live with the spirit of fear. And the enemy wants us to live by fear so we don't live by faith. Now, we need the Holy Spirit to help us. In chapter 4, uh, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 6, um, <clears throat> he says, This is why I remind you, fan into the flames the spiritual gift God has given you when I laid my hands on you. And this is Paul to Timothy. So he's saying, listen, don't live by fear, live by the power of the Spirit, and God has given you a gift. And see, when fear sets in, we stop using our spiritual gifts because we begin to think about ourselves and not other people. But the reason that God gave us spiritual gifts in the first place was to serve others. Amen? So listen, my, one of my spiritual gifts is leadership and when I get fearful, I stop leading. One of my gifts is evangelism, talking to people about Christ. Guess what? When I get fearful, I quit talking to people about the Lord. So you can't fan into the flame. You can't stir up the gifts that God's given to you if you are consumed by fear. 
You, you cannot fulfill the purpose and the mission of Jesus in your life if fear is constantly holding you back. So we got to stop living by fear. Stop living that way. Um, I used to be terrified to preach. This sounds kind of odd, but my first experience to preach like in a church, I had spoken at the campus Bible study, but when I was 21 years old, I went and committed a summer to go preach at revival services. Some of you don't even know what that is. Revival services, that's where you have church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights. And I was the preacher at these small churches in Amarillo, Texas. And the very first week, uh, I showed up at the church with a team, and I was the preacher, the team leader, and um, the pastor met with me before the service, and he said, Ryan, um, you're going to be on television this morning. I was like, television? What? I'm 21 years old. I've never even preached a sermon before. Television, no pressure. And this was a big church. This is a big church. I walked into the sanctuary. There were cameras all over the place. I was totally freaking out on the inside. My 30-minute sermon, many of you know that I cannot preach anything less than 30 minutes. It, it became 10 minutes. I preached for 10 minutes. And I knew that I had really messed up because the, it was so bad that the pastor had to come in behind me and try to, like, recover the sermon, like... He was trying to make sense of the few things that I said and then stretch it out for the broadcast. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to do this the whole rest of the summer. I panicked. The spirit of fear set in. Well, sometimes you have to keep preaching. <laughs> the next night, I had the same gig, but there were no TV cameras which I was so glad. <laughs> fear can set in in a lot of ways, can it? Fear can set in when you're doing something you've never done before. Fear can set in when you get bad news. Fear can set in when something in our culture and in, in our country changes. The spirit of fear. I, I used to have the fear of school. I looked this up. There is a term that, that actually... It's called a fear, uh, the, the, the school phobia, the fear of school. It's so long I can't pronounce it, but I've been told it is a phobia. I think I may have used to have that. Um, writing papers, test anxiety, um, second-guessing myself. Oh, it was B. Oh, I'm going to change my answer to C, get the test back. Oh, it was B. Maybe you've done that before. I just hated school. And the reason I got through my undergraduates because I dated a girl that was, an, uh, was a journalism major. And, man, she was a great writer, let me tell you. Amen. I went on into the master's program. I went into the doctoral program. And I'll never forget, I had an epiphany moment with God. I walked into this doctoral seminar. There's about 15 pastors there. And we all write research papers and pass out copies to the whole class. And I remember reading the papers and I remember thinking, with the exception of one guy who was the professor's pet, I read all the papers and I said, I think I'm as smart as anybody else in the class. And I said, I've lived in fear for so long. But really, I was just psyching myself out 
I was as smart as anybody else. I went all the way through the doctoral program. Guess what? I made an A in every single class except one. I got a B plus in one class. What changed? My mindset. I will not live under the power of fear. I will not procrastinate because of fear. I will not... I will not capitulate because of the spirit of fear. Paul's saying to Timothy, you cannot do the plan and purposes of God in your life if you live under the power of fear. You can't do it. So if we don't live under the spirit of fear, what do we do? What is God's solution? I, I think most of us would say, I don't want to live under the power of fear. But I do. Sometimes we disagree with ourselves, amen? We look at our life, and we look at where we want to be, and we look at where we are, and we're like, how do I get there? God's solution to overcoming fear is right here. It is living by the power of his spirit. Stop living under the spirit of fear. Start living in the power of God's spirit. Stop living under fear. Start living under the Spirit. Now look again at verse 7. For God did not give us the spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. And if you look in verse 8, he says, with the strength that God gives you, and God gives us strength by the power of his Spirit. In verse 6, he's already talked about spiritual gifts. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit is the Christian's greatest asset. That's the greatest tool that God has given you to fight fear is to allow the Spirit to work in you. Now, see, let me just take some pressure off of you. Overcoming fear is not something that God designed you to do exclusively by yourself. There are some things that the new nature and the power of the Holy Spirit, can, can he's the only one that can do certain things in our lives. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have to have some, some, put some work and a little elbow grease into it. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that if we'll allow the Spirit to work in us, the output of our life will be surprising. It'll be supernaturally empowered. And see, to overcome fear, you need the power of God in your life. Because there are a lot of things to be afraid of. There are a lot of things to take our focus off of the things of God. But God has given us a great, a great asset in the Holy Spirit. And he says that the Spirit works through power. Well, um, one of my favorite verses in Acts chapter 2, it says, You shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that word power is the same word that's here in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And it's a word that we translate. It's a Greek word that's, that's, that's called dunamos. But it's trans, we get the English word dynamite or dynamic from it. So in, in other words, your spiritual life empowered by the Holy Spirit is powerful. It's dynamic. It's like a stick of dynamite. It's explosive. It, it, can, it, can, it, can, it can go off and take you to some places that you never thought were possible. You will receive 
power. And we need power to, to live out our moral convictions. We need power to overcome discouragement. We need power to speak the word of God with boldness. We need power. Uh, in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 10 through 11, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in you. That is power. And notice it didn't say like a diminished version of the Holy Spirit, the diminished, the, a diminished, you know, 2.0, 5.0 version, the watered down, mini me, smaller portion. No, he says the same, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is, is living in you. Power, dynamic, power. And overcoming fear is not the absence of problems. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. See, we think, well, I won't be fearful if, I, if, if this problem will just go away. God says, no, you're always going to have problems. What you need to do is to live under the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference. That's the difference. It's, 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 it's not just, I got to get this thing, you know, we got to get past the coronavirus, you know, and then I'll feel, feel great. Or if something, somebody would leave at work, then, man, I could just enjoy my life. You know, if my husband would just do this and my wife would stop doing that, then everything would be great. No, 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 no. The power of the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual enablement even in the midst of great adversity. You can accomplish everything that God has called you to do, even in the middle of hardship. And this is what Paul is challenging Timothy to do. Now, God's peace is a spiritual peace. Look at this in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Those are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, listen, um, God's peace is spiritual. It's not like the world. The world's peace is temporal. The world's peace is, let me get all my problems fixed and in order, and then I'll feel good. God's peace is, I still have lots of problems, but I have a divine strength and a divine reservoir to, to fall back on and to receive hope and strength from, and that's the thing that's going to get me through this. And that's what Jesus says, peace I leave with you. Um, Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their ancestors uh, to give to them. This is what God said to Joshua as the Israelites are about to take the promised land. Now, Joshua has just taken over from Moses, and now he's leading a couple of million people in the fight of their life. I, I don't know if you've ever felt like you're in the middle of a situation where you're not qualified. God, I've got to perform at this level, but I only have this much experience. This is Joshua. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Not the spirit of fear, but the spirit of God. And the more power, the more dependence we have on him, then the more power that we will have. Uh, you're not a coward if you feel fear, but it's only when we let fear stop us that we, be con we become consumed by that spirit of fear. He says love, secondly. Power, love. And it's interesting that love and power balance each other. Okay, we got to have both. We should not just pray for spiritual power. We should pray for spiritual power and love. 
We need both. Your life is empowered, not just when you're dynamic and courageous, but also when you're genuine and loving and, and compassionate to people. Amen? That's the work of the Spirit. It's both. It's both. Some people think, well, the Spirit of God just makes me loving. Some people think the Spirit of God just makes me courageous. No, it's actually both, power and love. It's, it's part of the equation that God has given to us. So we need love. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, perfect love casts out fear. So if there's a difficult conversation that you need to have with somebody and you truly love them, then perfect love will cast out fear. Let's let... Let's don't, let's, don't be, let's don't capitulate to fear because perfect love, if I really love you, then, then I will say some tough things. Perfect love casts out fear. And God loves us, and Jesus cast out fear. And that's why he went to the cross to die for our sins. It was perfect love that led Jesus to die. Why would Jesus die on a cross? Perfect love casts out fear. That's the gospel. Jesus didn't want to die on the cross, but he knew that he had to die on the cross so that people could be redeemed to God. And now by faith, our sins can be forgiven and our hearts can be transformed by, by the Lord. Perfect love casts out fear. And that's what dr drove Jesus to the cross. But he also wraps up by saying a sound mind. Look at that right there. Power, love, and a sound mind. Sound mind means being level-headed. It means disciplined. It means precaution. You know, somebody said this week, if, if, if churches cancel live services on the campus, are they capitulating to fear? And, and, and I would submit to you today that, that the power of the Spirit is also a sound mind. It's level-headed thinking. What I would say is pray and use Perel. Amen? <laughs> Precaution, wisdom is part of the work of the Spirit. Now, I don't want you to go living in fear. I don't want you to go crawl under your, your blankets in your bed and, and cuddle up in the fetal position for a week or, or whatever it may be. You got things you got to do. You got responsibilities. You got some bills to pay this week. Amen? But... I also don't want you to let fear rob you of the things that God's called you to do. Prayer and precaution. So, so we take some precautions and we use wisdom. If somebody's like, I just got back from Wuhan, China, I wouldn't go and give them a hug, okay? Prayer and Perel, both. Amen. A sound mind. The Spirit should cause us to think with wisdom, good smarts. God, God wants us to love Him with our heart. That's true. But we love God with our mind, too. Don't forget about your mind. Sometimes Christians just get so into the heart, we forget about thinking. You know, Think. Sound mind. Good judgment. Uh, when you're in the grip of fear, you can't think straight. You don't think with a sound mind. Don't let the coronavirus make you crazy. A sound mind comes from the power of the Spirit and the influence of the Spirit. That's why you don't have to go fill your basement up with toilet paper and canned goods. Amen? Because you got a sound mind. you got a sound mind. Fear is the driving force in our world. It motivates the headlines 
advertising campaigns and it stirs up media frenzies. I'm telling you, the, the media ratings are going through the roof. The Denver Post is loving this crisis because they're selling lots of papers and people are subscribing online. The news is doing awesome because everybody's watching the news. And, you know, there's a place for that. I think we should be informed. But listen, the job of the media is to always, is most times to tell us, like, the things that make us afraid because that's what sells, you know? If the local news started doing all stories about how people were helping their neighbor, they'd probably go out of business. I mean, people are attracted to, 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 to fear. Let's just don't let fear consume us. Let's have a sound mind. Let's have a discretion. Let's have a discernment. Let's have a filter by which we can, by which we can see. Let's don't freak out when the stock market dips. Let's don't freak out when we get some bad news. We know that God is with us. And we know that God is for us. And we know that we have a renewed mind that comes by the power of his spirit. And why is it important to have a sound mind? Well, a sound mind drives our attitude. How can you have a great attitude about life if you are constantly succumbing to the spirit of fear? You can't do it. That's why Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says, set your mind on the things above. Set that mind. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. A sound mind stabilizes our entire inner world and it keeps us from being up one second and down in the pit the next second. And up and down and up and down, we have a sound mind. And being overcome with fear can often be like being intoxicated. We can be drunk with fear. Is fear holding you back? Let's make a commitment today through this crisis to not be spineless to not be yellow-bellied, if you will. Let's make that commitment and decision to not let the spirit of fear consume us, but let's let the power of God and the power of faith lead us and direct us because God has given us his spirit, a great gift. Stop living in fear and start living in the spirit. Let's pray together.